I want you to get accustomed to uh, times of gathering and being prepared to take notes and uh, teaching and learning. Um, some of my friends across the country, I've been noticing when I look at some of their uh, some of their podcasts and video casts that they've changed the settings in their churches, and they start they've now started putting in tables and having people sitting at tables so that they can have notes and. In other words, they got to set up like, you know, sometimes you go to a hotel and you got to set up like a seminar or workshop. They're setting up their churches like that so that the people of God are getting in the mindset. I'm coming so that I can learn and take notes. One of my one of my mentors in the faith was Dr. Miles Monroe. And um, and he was always challenging us. He would always while he was talking. Some of you probably remember this when you hear him teaching. He would say, write this down. He was always saying, write this down. What I'm about to tell you is detrimental to your ignorance. <laughs> it's detrimental to the ignorance. Now, he wasn't trying to put us down by saying that. He was saying there are so many things that we don't know. Write it down. Sometimes when you write things down, it solidifies it in your heart. And you remember it. Then you go back and look at those notes and let God speak to you all over again. Today, I want to just continue with what we were started with last week. We started talking about uh, maximizing momentum. And I just want to quickly do a quick review before getting to the point we want to make with you uh, today. Um, everything that we share with you is basically coming from principles out of the word of God. This one is coming from Psalm 139. And uh, it's just so funny because Pastor William started quoting and talking about God knowing us before we were born. He had no idea that we were about to read this scripture today. Just listen to this. Just think about how God has set us up in our conversation already today. Now look at this. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. See, he was already in the message, brother. <laughs> I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. Wow. Isn't it awesome to see how God was already aware of us? We like to pray together uh, as we get into the word. So just follow along with this and let's read this together. Lord, I pray that the word today would find good soil in my heart. I reject the thoughts of offense where the light of your word exposes my sin. I do not take offense. I will change and turn to you, my heavenly father. I reject condemnation. Your word says that Jesus did not come to condemn me. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Condemn me, yes, <laughs> when it comes to him. Oh, y'all was reading, yeah. <laughs> I reject accusation. Satan is the accuser of brothers and sisters, and this word does not come to accuse me or abuse me. This word exposes Satan and his lies, and I choose to believe and receive the truth. God says in his word, blessed are my eyes, for they see, 
and my ears, for they hear. For many prophets and righteous men desired to see what I see and did not see it, and to hear what I hear and did not hear it. Therefore, I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against or miss the will of God. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your word today. Amen. Amen. Come on, just say the Lord, I received this. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, our hearts are open to you today to speak. We did not gather today to just simply hear the words of a human being. So Chris Green decreases right now in this moment that you would increase. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, everyone here today needs a word from you. We need that word that comes as create that which is creative to make something, to create something that never ever existed before. Do a new thing in us today. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. When you when we look at this verse of passage of scripture from Psalm 139, this particular verse, I want to just say this to you where it says your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written. Then he says then he shows us what was written. What was written was the days that were fashioned are the word for fashion is ordained the days that were ordained for me when I when as yet there was none of them before there was ever a day God had already fashioned the days set for me and I put it in this in this terminology last week I said there's a there's a secret encoded dream embedded in every single one of us it's God's dream that's embedded within us. That's what we're looking at when we read that scripture, that God said the days were already fashioned. Our days were already fashioned, ordained, before we were actually brought forth in birth. And since God has very specific intentions and purpose for us, I believe that he even designs our physical body, our makeup. He gives us particular talents and gifts to fulfill that dream. Now, what often happens is uh, we'll focus on the gift and the talent and we'll set out in a direction thinking that this is a dream. Because we're simply looking at our gifts and talents. So we assume that we know what our purpose is based upon our gifts and talents. But you have to switch it up. God, what's your dream for my life? Start there. Remember when you were growing up and people would always ask you, what are you going to be when you grow up? But did anybody ever ask you, what is God's dream for you? What does God want you to be when you grow up? Because all all of us do this. When someone asks us that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? We'll start thinking about what I can do. What gifts and skills I have. We have an education system that has a particular test to try to find a child's aptitude and skills level and all of that and then predetermine what you're going to be. I remember when I took those tests and everything and the the results were that I should be a scientist. And so I set out because everything, all I was good in math, good in science, all of that. So they said, "That's, that's the direction you should go because that's how your mind works. And I set out to go in that direction. 
all the way into my senior year of high school. Now, secretly, I didn't tell anybody, I had all this writing. I was writing poems and stories, but the school test said I should be a scientist. But the dream encoded within me was writer, producer, speaker, life coach. So I could have been pursuing, boy, imagine how miserable I would be right now. 56 years old, retiring from a year, uh, uh, from 30 years of uh, uh, being involved in, in, uh, in particular, I wanted to be a nuclear physicist. And let's just say 30 years later, 56 years old, and there's, I would never have written the books. I would never have written the songs. I would never have written all of the plays and things that we did with the young adults. Would never have moved out into life coaching, and I would be miserable because I would know that I would have wasted the last 30 years pursuing my fantasy of being a scientist instead of God's dream. Yeah. It's pretty serious, isn't it? So I believe there's a difference between fantasies and dreams. That was part of what we shared last week. The definition of a fantasy is it's an imagination, especially when it's extravagant and unrestrained. And imagine a conjured up sequence. In other words, you can play it all out in your mind. I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. And I'm... But here's what the word of the Lord says. Proverbs 12 says, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. Another proverb says, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. You may ask, well, how do I know the difference between fantasies and dreams? Well, fantasies are usually focused upon us. It's what we want to do, what we want to accomplish. Because you're thinking about, fantasies are always self-centered. It's always about me. But when there's a dream, and a dream comes from God, it'll always be bigger than you. It'll always be more than what you can accomplish by yourself. It will always mean <laughs> that I've got to trust God for in order for this to come to pass. It's not just about my own personal prosperity. Don't you know that even as I listened to Dr. Walker and he was just exhorting us to really to believe God concerning us being prosperous. He's not just talking about just being prosperous for our own sake, but it's so that that dream that God encoded within us that it can come forth. I use LeBron James as a perfect example as the difference between a fantasy and, and a dream. There are many people who are, many athletes who have a fantasy of being the greatest basketball player in the world. And they're thinking all about all the Money they're going to make, where they're going to live, the cars they're going to drive, all the women they're going to hook up with, and commercials and endorsements and all of that. But I believe God gave LeBron James a dream. Why do you say that? Because what LeBron James' dream was, was to be able to go back into my community and not just hand out the little token, little $1,000 here, $1,000 there scholarships but to pour in millions to give kids full rise scholarships to finish, to go to college and finish, to go in and build up whole neighborhoods and communities. So he's not doing that thing that, because a lot of athletes, they'll set up the little foundation, but they really aren't impacting the community. 
I can say that as one. I'm from St. I'm like I told you, I'm from St. Louis, and we've had athletes there in and out, and they say they got these foundations and all that stuff, and I ain't seen no money yet that's ever touched our community. I'm like, where's all this money going to? All these athletes say they got foundations and they're doing all this stuff. How come it never seems to hit the hood? Why is it it never seems to come into the hood? But here's a young man who actually had a dream. And I believe it was a dream from God. It was bigger, and it's bigger than him. Now, I'm not talking about maybe your personal feelings about LeBron, but you got to hand it to the boy. Three-time NBA champion, been to the finals seven years straight. Ain't nobody has ever done that, at least not in this modern era. And he's able to fulfill the true dream, not just to be the best basketball player in the world, even though he says that. He has to, because he's confident. What's he confident in? He's confident in the dream and what God put him here to do. Some people go, boy, that sure is arrogant. And especially for those of us here in, here in this particular part of the country, here in South Central Pennsylvania, I don't say this as a criticism, just want you to hear my heart. I'm not saying this to criticize you, but here in South Central Pennsylvania, it's very, very conservative and reserved. And so when you see people step up in confidence, a lot of people think that's being cocky and arrogant. But it's not. Who else is going to say that about you if you don't say it yourself? <laughs> I'm not arrogant. I'm not cocky. I know why I'm here. And it's okay to say that. I know why God put me here and I'm going to fulfill his dream. He put it in me. He encoded it in my very substance while he was forming me in my mother's womb. My days were already fashioned, ordained, and now I'm walking it out. And yes, I'm going to give him full credit for what he's doing, but I'm not going to back off of it and act all. I'm not going to be apologetic. That's the word. I'm not going to be apologetic. Well, you know, well, no, thank God I'm here. Do you guys understand that your, your generation is one that has come through major attacks from the enemy to keep you from being here? The next statement I'm going to make is not to put down anybody that has had an abortion. I believe that you are as much a victim as your child. But you have to understand, you've come through a system. Abortion was legalized in 1973. So it's been 43 years of women having the right to terminate the pregnancy. There's only been two other times in the history of the world where there's been such an assault on on babies. The first time was when the children of Israel were in Egypt. And the Egyptians were so afraid of the increase of growth that they told that the Pharaoh sent the command to have the baby boys killed. The second time it happened, and that's when that was the enemy trying to keep the deliverer, Moses, from coming on the scene to set God's people free. The second time it happened was was after Jesus was born. When Herod said, all the baby boys, two years and younger, kill them. Why was Herod doing? To keep that deliverer from coming forth. You guys are part of a delivering, anointing, 
You are deliverers. Like Moses, like Jesus. And you have come through. In spite of the effort of the enemy. That's why I don't put down any of the men and women who have had abortions. You didn't you just didn't know that it was a satanic ploy to keep the deliverers from coming forth in this generation. So first of all, I want you to know you are here. God intended for you to be here and you made it in spite of the enemy's efforts to wipe you out. Come on, bless the Lord. That's why you're so important. That's why you're so important. Three times in the world's history, the enemy has tried to keep deliverer from getting here. You made it. So now come on, come on, step forth. I'm, I'm going to do what God put me here for. Come on, receive that right now. Thank you, Lord. That's why you don't have time to chase fantasies. You don't have time. I feel God's presence. You don't have time to chase fantasies. God put a dream in you. He put his purpose in you. And he's anointed you to complete it. So that's what this is about. In places like Empowerment Center, that's what it's about. God has made this place, literally, I feel the prophetic on me right now, brother. God has made this place a prophetic womb to bring forth the deliverers. Every time you gather, there is conception taking place in the spirit. God's dropping seed in this place. And though you've heard a hundred times how much you will never be and how much it'll never happen. And sometimes you've fallen back in depression and doubt and you thought it wouldn't come forth in your life. But God sent us 800 miles away from all that we know, family and friends and loved ones, to come to this city and speak to you directly. That he purposed for you to be here. And don't you let another day go by where you just give in to the enemy and say, well, okay. No. God brought you through. Some of you have had some horrible backgrounds. You said you didn't even grow up in church. That's really good. Those of y'all that didn't grow up in church, that's really good. Why is he saying that? Because now we don't have to stand up here and try to work, to try to take all the stuff that's been brainwashed you to give you the truth. Now all we can do is just simply just knock off the demons that's been messing with you all of your life. But one of the strongest demons is religion. You know why? Because religion has people locked up into thinking that they're right. So those of you who never, you, or you hardly ever went to church, I want to get that condemnation off of you right now. I never went to that. I, I feel like I'm lagging behind and like I have missed out on something. No, you haven't. You haven't missed out on nothing. Because too many of our churches have done nothing but put God's people in bondage. They told them that when they got sick, that it was the Lord's will. They told them that when they were broke, that this was to keep them humble. That's what they told them. And if anybody started actually prospering, then they would 
then it's like they, they go all out after them. Go, I mean, go out of their way to tear them down. The old crab mentality. Somebody starts having some success and everybody starts pulling them down. So it's a good thing that you weren't in there. Because now you step up into the empowerment center and now you can just say, bring it on. Give me what I'm supposed to have. I'm ready to go. I don't have to get rid of the religion first because religion, it has people in so much works and effort, toil. They don't understand just what you, just what Dr. Walker said. They don't understand. We don't have to toil for this. Jesus, man, I did not intend to get into all of this, y'all. Oh, my Lord, today. Some folks came to Jesus and they said, what must we do to work the works? And he said, believe. What? See, religious people have struggled with that. There must be something that we're supposed to be doing to get the same kind of success. And he says, believe. Religion says, you got to work. And you got to work hard. Sisters, come out and make up. Take them pants off. Brothers, put on a suit and tie. Work hard. I got one. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So you actually, God has preserved you even in that. So don't you dare be ashamed of your story. There's another one of the songs the Lord gave us. I'm not ashamed of my story because my story brings him glory. His grace is written in the pages and it's going to be proclaimed through all the ages. I'm not ashamed of my story because my story, you think about this, your story brings him glory. And it's not a private testimony because we are living letters for the Lord. The Apostle Paul was writing to one particular uh, family of churches and he told them, he said, you guys are my accommodation letters. If people want to know the proof of my ministry, all they got to do is read your life. You may have been wondering why it's been so difficult for you. And why life has been so hard and you've had to triumph and push, but it's because your story is bringing God glory. Somebody's reading you. Most of you sitting there, I'm just going to go ahead and say all of you in this room, even those of you that feel like I've just been messing up and I haven't really been consistent. Do you know that you've been blessing somebody's life even though you didn't know it? Every time you got back up and tried again, there was somebody that was watching you do that. Because you live in an area, you live in a region where when folks get knocked down, a lot of them just stay down. Why? Because it's been multi-generationally. I watched my grandparents try and they got knocked down. I watched my parents and my aunts and uncles try. They got knocked down. Your generation comes along and before you even start high school, how many of that's your testimony? While you was in elementary school, you was already going through horrible stuff going on in your household. And you couldn't tell nobody because everybody said, what happens in this house stays in this house. But in spite of it all, God has brought you to this place. I just feel the prophetic. I'm trying to get to the message, but I guess this is the message. That he did not want you caught up in the fantasy chase. The fantasy chase is this. 
It looks like the American dream. He says, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to find the right person and marry them, get just the right job. We're going to buy a house and car. We're going to have 2.3 kids. <laughs> and I'm saying that to you because that was part of our journey. We started out trying to get all that stuff and lost it all. Why? Because we found out it was a fantasy. We was chasing the fantasy. We wasn't chasing God's will and plan for our life. Young couple, we was doing all of it. We was living in the suburbs in St. Louis, and that was very rare at that time. Like I told you, we lived in Ferguson, and at that time, Ferguson was majority uh, white community, and so we was always getting stopped by the cops, all because no young black couples was supposed to be prospering and moving like that. And so we was going for it, but here's the other side. I wasn't hardly, wasn't hardly going to church, wasn't tithing, giving no offerings. Because I was after the American dream. I wasn't interested in standing up and preaching and talking to folks. And I was going after the dream. And we lost it. We, God let it fall apart. Because when you do stuff in your own efforts, when you start stuff in your own efforts, then you got to keep it going in your own efforts. We had to learn the lesson, the difference between chasing the fantasy and chasing the dream. Thank you, Lord God. Come on, say yes, Lord, right now. Wow, wow, wow. So fantasies are those images and vain, worthless pursuits. But I particularly want to just tell you God's dream is a vision, and it's a glimpse into the days that were fashioned for you. God's purpose and plan and his will for our lives is totally comes from him. So I'm going to just read this to you. We believe God placed his dream for your life. His dream for your life has been encoded in you. Wow. I've, I think I've already said all, so I won't re-preach that. I believe God is ready to press the enable button and ignite the dream he placed within you. Say, so what does that mean by the enable button? Well, back in the day, when you got your computer, especially desktops, you can, uh, you know, Plug it all up, turn it all on, and then you still had to push what was called an enable button to actually get your Windows software to boot up for the very first time. And so many people, that's what their lives are like. Everything is on the hard drive. It's all ready, but the button has been put, hasn't been pushed. All the software is there. All the potential for your life is all there, but the enable button hasn't been pushed. And the one thing that in push that activates that uh, that button for the for us as people of God, first of all, just as human beings, is when we connect with God. That's what activates that secret code. It's when we connect with God, then the code God pushes the button. Now, my purpose for writing that software <laughs> on your hard drive, now it comes on. It's not that people can't use their gifts and talents for their own purposes and their own reason. We're looking at it all over the world. People are, I mean, you can really work it. I can tell you as, as a life coach, as a life coach, as a motivator, I can motivate people to go forth and pursue their fantasy. And there are millions of people who are successful in their fantasy chase. They ain't thinking about God. They don't care nothing about all this stuff. 
They really don't. One of the writers in the Bible says, why do the wicked prosper? Anybody ever felt like that? Lord, here I am chasing after you, pursuing you. And I'm looking at them and the, and the scripture says they are so prosperous, their eyes are bulging. Meanwhile, I'm struggling. But then he says, until I got until the pavilion of the Lord, which means when I got up and looked at it from God's point of view, many of us, we, we look at our relationship with God like this. I want you to remember this the rest of your life. It's me standing, looking at God, and I pray, I talk to him. Everything is me talking to him. He says, come up into my pavilion, which means I go to him, I turn around, and I sit in his lap, and I look back at my life. God wants you to have that view of prayer and communion with God for the rest of your life. It's not just me talking to him way up on the throne up there. No, I'm going, this daddy, up to the throne. Get up, just, I'm sure your daughters do this. Get all up in your lap. And now, look back at my life from his point of view. When I got up into the pavilion of the Lord and then I looked at the wicked, it says, I, then I saw that their way is slippery. They're walking on ice with glass slippers. Every step they take could be their last. So even though they, they got the cars, they got the houses and they got the stuff, y'all just think about it. Y'all see it all the time, streets of Harrisburg. Every day could be their last. You can make a lot of money selling drugs. A lot of money. But every day, every day, just think about that. Every day could be their last. Every night could be your last. I don't know about you, but that ain't no way to live. I don't care how much you got. Eyes bulging, pockets bulging. Why? Because they're chasing a fantasy. When God blesses us, he adds no sorrow to it. Bless the Lord our God. Come on, bless the Lord. So what I'm teaching you is that I believe that there is no greater creation in the universe than us human beings. See, I told you, man, you was all in my message. <laughs> God created us in his image after his likeness. And like I said, he places parts of his purpose and his dream in each soul. And each piece requires his presence to activate that purpose. Wow. So all of us, just think about it. Each and every one of us has a little piece of God's purpose and his plan and his love that he wants to release in the earth. I'm loving this today. And I'm still just giving you, the, I'm just doing the review. I haven't got to, I gotta get to the point. All right, here we go. I want you to look at the notes that way that I put in front of you, that my wife gave to you. I want us to read this together. This comes, this is an excerpt from the book that I mentioned that me and my wife that we wrote called What Now? And we have some of those here today. And I just wanted to let you know that that 
We'll make those available to you today for $5. Normally 10, you can have it for five if you want this book. We just get an excerpt. I want to read an excerpt to you today. Never take a word from God regarding your life lightly or irreverently. I believe there is a creative element released for our purpose and destiny. When you pray and ask God what you are supposed to do, you will receive an answer. Just wait a moment or two before going off with your own thoughts, because it's really easy. God, what you want to do with my life? And then ideas start popping in your head. You start running. Say, wait, hold, hold, hold up. Listen. This is difficult for those of us who are impatient. Anybody impatient like me? This process, sometimes it makes us feel lazy and irresponsible. But why do we think waiting for a word from God will mean we will sit and accomplish nothing? How can a word from God come into your life and it result in nothing? Because according to Genesis 1 and 2 and John 1, the word was present at the beginning of this world, creating from nothing, creating from nothing, creating from nothing and making all that exists. So here's a nugget of wisdom for your life. When you empty your heart and prepare your soil, it is like giving God nothing to work with. giving God nothing to work with. I know that sounds like, that, that sounds crazy, but I think that that's the perfect material for God. It is one thing to give God a set of plans and ask God to bless them, but I believe the most powerful aspect of God is released when you sacrifice your own ideas, and basically I'm talking about the fantasy, and you ask him to create something new within you. When you say, Lord, I am like the earth in the beginning. I'm void and empty and darkness covers my deep places. Speak over my life, Lord. Let there be light over me. Make a whole new world out of my life. What am I getting at? Remember in Genesis, Bible says in beginning. And actually, I understand in the Hebrew, it does not say in the beginning. It actually reads in beginning. God created. It's important to when you take that little article D out because then we get the real point. It means when you take it, because it's not actually there in the Hebrew language. It doesn't say in the beginning. It actually says in beginning. What is that? Why is that important? Because if we read it as it's supposed to be in beginning, it means that there was God before there was a beginning. So it didn't happen in the beginning. It just says, God, when he got started doing this, Isn't that awesome? In beginning, or saying when God got started creating, because that means there was something before. What? What was the something? God. Oh, I love that. That's just a little side note. But when everything got started, the Bible says there was it was void, darkness. There was nothing. There was void. The earth was void. And God spoke and said, Let there be light. Again, it actually means the Hebrew language says all, all really what God spoke was light be. And it happened. And everything that God created, he, he just speak it. And it happened. And what I'm saying to us now in this day and time, say, Lord, 
I'm like that. I'm like the earth. I'm like the universe. I'm like all of that before there was. I'm void. There's empty. And I'm saying God speak to me and say, light be. And create something that's never existed before in me. I'm tired of the old. I don't want to. I don't just want you to rehash and reconstruct and renovate. I want a whole new thing. What happens when we do that? Then we give God that wonderful opportunity then to activate his dream for us. Why do I keep putting emphasis on this? Because a lot of times, I did this all the time, I kept bringing God my ideas and saying, God, bless my ideas. Instead of saying, God, I got nothing. I got nothing. Here, here's, here's what I'm going to offer to you. I'm going to offer you nothing. Now speak. And how many of you, I don't know if you've ever done this before, when you do it, then all the stuff that's mixed in, the fantasies that are mixed in with the dream, he gets to separate it. And you begin to see the difference between the stuff that I've been chasing that was just my idea and the stuff that he's actually, that's from him. But it takes being willing to say, Lord, I just throw, I just lay it all down. I lay it all down. It's up to you. Let me finish. Thank you, Lord. Wow, the time's gone. Let me jump on that down to says, only when you come to this place do you understand begin to understand that God is not only bringing out the gifts within you, but his focus is on the gift that he's making out of you. It's not just about the gifts that are inside of us. It's the gift that he's making us to be. God wants to do more than just bring out our gifts. He's actually making us the gift to this world. He's making us a gift to our family. You said, Pastor Chris, that kind of, isn't that, isn't that sacrilegious? No, because he even calls the five-fold ministry gifts to the body. Those of us who work, work in the apostolic and the prophetic and the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists, he says we are gifts to the body. So the process that you and I are in when we pray like this, when we submit our hearts to him like this, then now he's shaping us not just to have our gifts come out, but he's shaping us so that we are, we become the gift that he wants us to be. There is a difference. I always thought that this had to do with, um, with God getting me ready to do stuff. But it was deeper than that. It's not just about what he wants us to do. When we reach a certain point, you know, we always talk about purpose and destiny. And so we're always thinking about what we're going to do when we reach that destiny. But here's God's emphasis. It's more about who you're going to be. I want you to be a gift. We partook of, we partook of, of the communion today. Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it. Can I tell you that that's what he wants to do with every single one of us? Like the bread, bless us, break us, and give us away.
He wants us to be like that cup where he can pour us out as a drink offering. The Apostle Paul even said that's what he was. He said, I'm just a, I'm just a drink offering. Pour it out. What happens when God can use and move through folks like what I'm looking at in this room where you understand it's not just about my gifts. It's the gift he's making me to be. Because then the gifts just come pouring out. But why? Because it's not about me. Not about me at all. And then when the gifts come through, it's impurity. It's not tainted with selfish ambition and attitude and, and insecurity. And, and I'm still trying to prove to all my haters, I told y'all I was going to make it. See, no, we, <laughs> you ain't helping nobody but with that attitude. And, I, and it bothers me even when I see sometimes the big time preachers and uh, you know, the ones with the 30 and 40,000 member churches, and I'm not talking about the size of the church, I'm just talking about there's, it's harmful to preach a message where we're motivating God's people to be successful just to shut up our haters. You're not a gift if you're like that. You're not a gift. You're just the latest one to make it to the top. You're just another one to prove to everybody that I can do it. But God doesn't want just all of us making it to the top and then stand up and say, it always bothered me. Some of you remember this. When Michael Jordan gave his speech, um, uh, when he got in, elected into the Hall of Fame, and he stood up there and his whole speech was about all his haters. And then you saw this man, greatest basketball player that ever lived, was motivated just to say this to his haters. Whereas man of God, uh, Robinson, elected that same year, his speech was, I want to thank all of the people. I want to thank my coach. I want to thank my teachers. I want to thank my parents. I want just what you said. He was giving honor. Why? Because it wasn't about how gifted he was as a player. When he, was, when he stood up to give his Hall of Fame speech, then he was the gift. He wasn't just gifted. He was the gift. Come on, say, Lord, make me a gift. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I got to stop. My Lord, I guess we'll have to finish at another time. Bless the Lord. Come on, say, Lord, I thank you for this word today. Thank you, Lord, God. Thank you, Lord. I prophesy this to you today. Some of you, you face so much opposition in your life that you can find it hard to believe that this dream can come true. You may have never known the love and encouragement of a father or mother. Some of you, you've, you've lost the love and support of a spouse. Some of you have never known the security of having stable finances. You may have never been able to advance all the way to finish your education. Some of you never had the opportunity to invest or start your own business. Others of you might be dealing with the consequences and the regrets of the bad decisions that you made. But I came here to tell you today that none of these things can stop the dream that God has put within you. None of these things can stop it. 
here and now, make the decision. Dr. Walker even said it before I got up here, make the decision. And what's the decision? Lord, I say yes to you. It sounds old school, but it's really true. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. 